Tonight we're going to look at kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We have already covered love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. And tonight we will finish um, this second triad of the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness and goodness. The first three, love, joy, and peace, uh, this has to do with our relationship with God. This love, and, love, joy, and peace that we experience in communion with the Lord and its expression through our life. Then this, this second triad of the nine fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, it has to do with our interactions with people, how you treat people, how you interact with people. And we studied long-suffering last week. We will look at kindness and goodness this week. The reason we're going to combine kindness and goodness is because they are very closely related and they are often used interchangeably throughout Scripture. Oftentimes you will see them interchangeably used. If you look at the original Greek and what, it's, what is written in the original Greek manuscripts and the way that it's translated into the English, you will oftentimes see it translated either goodness or kindness, depending on the Scripture. And so because of their close relation and how that they are used interchangeably and oftentimes in tandem with one another, we will look at them together today. But first, let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would allow all of us to receive to have spiritual ears, to have spiritual eyes, to receive what you say, to hear your voice and to receive and to see what is spiritual. Those things that are spiritual are spiritually discerned. So give us those ears and eyes to see and to hear God here tonight and help us to apply it to our lives. There is no scripture. There are no truths, God, that are so base, so elemental that they're not relevant to our lives at all times. God, help us always to live by this, and may your spirit be so controlling in our lives, so so controlling in our lives, that we live out the manifestation of the spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Kindness could be described as a benevolent disposition towards others. And goodness could be described as a benevolent activity on those people's behalf. George Bethune, who wrote a book called The Fruit of the Spirit in 1845. I read these two chapters in that book today. Wonderful stuff. He wrote this book in 1845, but he describes kindness as a sweet mildness of temper manifested in words, address, and general demeanor. And he also defines goodness as a sincere desire for the happiness of others expressed by conduct calculated to advance that happiness. I'll be referencing George Bethune in a few other places, and also I'll be referencing Jerry Bridges, who is a wonderful author, one of my favorite authors, written very many books, and uh, he has a book on this very subject. And I'm, I'm going to quote him a few times. And in, in, in his book, he describes what kindness and goodness are and the relation one to another in a very, very 
brilliant way and, and very beneficial way that I'd like to share with you. He says that kindness is a sincere desire for happiness of others, and goodness is the activity calculated to advance that happiness. Kindness is the inner disposition created by the Holy Spirit that causes us to be sensitive to the needs of others, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. And goodness is kindness in action, in words, and in deeds. You could think of kindness in terms of an awareness of those around us and the thoughtfulness we can express to them almost incidentally. And so kindness may be something as simple as a smile to the clerk behind uh, the counter, um, a thank you to a waitress holding the door open for somebody. It's an encouraging word to an elderly individual or a word of recognition to a child. It is this kindness that has this awareness in this benevolent disp disposition towards others. It's thinking of others in this kind disposition, this benevolent disposition, this happiness directed towards others that manifests itself in your interaction with them. That's what kindness is. And none of these expression, expressions is necessarily costly in time or money. But they do require a sincere interest in the happiness of those around us. So kindness comes from the desire that others would experience happiness. It's a desire for the happiness of others, the benevolence of others. So it may not necessarily cost you time or money, but it does necessitate that you allow your interest to be directed to somebody else and not yours alone. Apart from God's grace, most of us naturally tend to be concerned about our responsibilities, our problems, our plans. But the person who has grown in grace of kindness has expanded his thinking outside himself and his interest and has developed a genuine interest in the happiness and well-being of those around him. That is the difference in a kindness that comes from the Spirit of God. Goodness, on the other hand, involves deliberate deeds that are helpful to others. Although the Bible uses the word good to refer to what is upright, honorable, virtuous, noble, uh, about our ethical or moral character. Um, it is also used to describe actions that are not only good in themselves, but also beneficial to others. And our call to cultivate and allow this fruit of kindness and goodness to take part in our lives, to be manifest in our lives, which comes as believers in Christ and when the Spirit of God is given to us, He gives us this fruit of kindness and goodness. Just as the other fruit, they find their origins and they are rooted in the character of God. And so, if we're called to be kind and to be full of goodness and goodwill towards others, don't you know 
that God has exemplified that same characteristic and attribute towards us and really to all of creation. If you do have your Bibles, go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Your Bible, your physical Bible or your Bible on your phone. And, and I just want to expand on a few things here. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. In regards to the attribute that God possesses of kindness and goodness towards his children, towards all of creation. Titus 3 and 1 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work. Okay, also remember, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility in all to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish. He's about to describe our life before Christ, which would be the works of the flesh, which in Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes it clear, very clear, and the works of the flesh are very known. They're very clear. And we all once walked in the works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That used to be our life before Christ. But here's what made all the difference for you and I. And I'm so thankful for. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He begins this chapter, and he, this is a pastoral epistle that Paul is writing to Titus, and he's giving this directive to Titus to tell to the people as a pastor that we should be subject to rulers and authorities, be ready to obey, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, be peaceful, peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. He's given us directives on how we should relate to the unsaved world, even our government, how, should, how we should relate to um, everyday interactions, how we should relate with our family, with our friends, and with people at the church, with other believers. We should show humility to all men, and, and he's saying, you can only do this, okay? As Christians, he's giving this directive, you can only do this because you've been regenerated and you've been renewed by the washing power of the Holy Spirit. You, you have the ability now, where once you could not, could not, in the works of your flesh, being bound by sin in your flesh, where once you could not, walk in good works, and where once you could not walk in peace and gentleness and humility, and where once you were walking as foolish, as disobedient and deceived, you now can uphold the commands of the Lord because you've been regenerated, you've been renewed by the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
the work of the Holy Spirit being manifest through the child of God's life. And we once were disobedient. We once were rebellious. We once were wicked and evil. And we did whatever the lust of our flesh told us to do. We served the various lusts of our flesh and the pleasures therein. We lived in malice and envy. We were hateful and hating one another. That was our life before Christ. But what changed all of this? But the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. It was because of God's love, because of Jesus' love. It was because of his kindness. It was his benevolence shown towards us. His desire to show goodness towards us. Because Jesus is kind. When the kindness and love of God, of our Savior, appeared towards, towards all men, that changed everything for you and for me. And faith in this one, in this Savior, it brought in the regenerating and renewing power of the Holy Spirit that now I can walk in newness of life and I can uphold the call of my Savior to walk in good works, to walk in peace, to walk in gentleness and humility. And I can deny the lust of my flesh, which I once was ruled by and I walked in because the kindness of God appeared to me. And he's appeared to me in the person of Jesus Christ. He stepped in even while yet I was a sinner, while I was wicked, while I was evil, even while I yet still hated him, he was kind towards me. Jesus in his life, his earthly ministry, he manifested kindness to every person. He manifested kindness to the least of these from the children and they felt so comfortable that they could go and sit in his lap. And he longed to pour out kindness even on the hypocritical Pharisee. And it was, it was those that he chided and rebuked because of their hypocrisy and the pridefulness of their hearts. But even yet, he was still being kind to them. He was still giving them opportunity to hear the truth and respond to his mercy and his compassion both in his earthly ministry and through the blood that was spilled upon the cross. Jesus was always kind. He was always kind. He always showed kindness to the individuals he came into interaction with. And this is what has flooded into our lives and has changed everything, the kindness and the love of God our Savior that he's shown towards us. And the best practical definition of goodness Okay, kindness and goodness. The best practical definition of goodness is given in the life and character of Jesus Christ. And this verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, beautifully shows us how that Jesus was kind, which moved him to goodness, doing good things, good works for people. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. God anointed Jesus as Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed by God Almighty, by the Holy Ghost with fire, to heal. He was anointed to rebuke the Pride, prideful in heart, 
He was anointed to, to call out and cast out the demon, demons and people who were possessed of the devil. He had all power and authority to heal all sickness and disease and to rebuke the devil. He was anointed to do all these wonderful things. But he would, don't forget, he was also anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And with that anointing, he went about doing good with every person he came into contact with. It was always noted by he was doing good for people. He was looking out for the welfare and moved to bestow benefits on others. That word good there went about doing good. It literally means he was bestowing benefits on every person he came into contact with and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we should, we should emulate Jesus, our savior, his earthly ministry and the very character and attribute of God. That is kindness and goodness. It's not without the kindness and goodness of God that you would be saved. Only for the kindness and goodness of God. Are you even saved? That's been manifested towards you. And now you're called to do the same. So let us make this of practical application in our lives. We need to develop a kind disposition. To be sensitive to others and truly desire their happiness. But sensitivity alone is not enough. The grace of goodness impels us to take action to meet those needs of people. If you recall in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is... We should walk in them. R realize, this is an everyday experience and not the unusual and unheroic works of goodness. It, it, it's, not, it's not about you every once in a while doing some great and heroic good work as if you're you're going to go save somebody on the roadside who's, who's in a flaming automobile and you drag them out. You've done this marvelous, heroic, good work. He's saying he, prefer, he, pre, he prepared us beforehand to walk in good works, to walk in them. That is an everyday experience. We should walk in good works. We were prepared, prepared beforehand to do good works. And so let me apply this to our, our everyday lives in regards to this kindness, which has this benevolent disposition towards others that longs for the welfare and the happiness of others and this goodness that moves us to an activity by which we cause benevolence and goodness and happiness to come upon people's lives. Doing good, number one, at work. And I bring up doing good, that is doing good works at work, that is your job because think about this. How many hours in the week do you spend at your job? Now, right now, for a lot of people, the amount of time you spend at your actual workplace has been significantly reduced or altogether is gone because you're either working from home or sadly some people have lost their jobs. But oftentimes we spend more time 
when there's not a global pandemic, we spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our family members. If you're working an eight or 12 hour day, you spend a lot of time at your job, at your vocation. And it's in this span of time that you can exemplify good works. You can walk in good works. Um, you cannot, it's, it's very important how that you view your job. It's very important as to what your attitude is towards your job. What is your attitude towards your job? Do you view the job as an opportunity to do many good deeds that God has planned for you by meeting the needs of people? Or do you view your job, which you spend a lot of time out every single day, or do you view it as a necessary evil to earn the money you need? If we grow in the grace of goodness, we must have the right attitude about our vocation. And so what I mean by this, it's extremely important to understand this. You spend so much time with your coworkers. You spend so much time at your job. And you have to understand and you have to readjust your attitude in regards to your job in that I'm not just here. I'm not just here for a paycheck. But I'm here to do good in the name of Jesus Christ. Because everywhere I'm at, I'm called to be a Christian. I'm called to speak for the Lord. And what better place than at your place of employment around people who usually are unsaved individuals? And when you view your place of employment as a mission field, as a place to exemplify to, to, to pour out good works upon the people around you, it shifts your view of your place of employment. It's not just a necessary evil that you have to go to in order to pay your bills, but it's a place where I can exemplify the nature of Jesus Christ in as far as kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. So look for every opportunity to minister to somebody at your workplace. And, and then for those of those of you who are stay-at-home moms or wives, you have an immense amount of influence upon those children, and you have a unique calling in that you can meet the needs of your neighbors, you can minister to the sick and to the lonely, you can cook for people, you can care for other people's children. You have a unique calling. And the calling to, to shape the, the little hearts of your children is no small calling. And you're, you're called to pour out those good works on your children, to mold and to make them into what they ought to be. And, and um, you don't have to be a place where you get a paycheck. Uh, if, you're, if you're at home, you can do the same. Number two, doing good at home. If we are to exhibit good works, it would make sense that it first should happen to those who are nearest to us. That is our household. Good deeds should start at home. If we are out doing good deeds for others while neglecting the needs of our spouse, our parents, or children, we're not practicing the grace of goodness. For the Christian growing in the grace of goodness the distasteful and despised duties of the home provide opportunity of doing good deeds for those he or she loves most. So let me ask you, husband, are you kind to your wife? 
And do you pour out good works upon your wife? Are you doing good for your household? You are prepared for good works. You're his workmanship. And we should walk in those daily. And it starts at home. What are you doing for the benefit of your household? For the benefit of your wife? For the benefit of your children? The question goes to you, wife. Are you kind? Do you show kindness and goodness towards your husband, towards your children? Are you looking for, through just the mundane tasks and chores of home life and the things that should be done, do you view it as a means of serving your children, serving your spouse, serving those closest to you? Are you exemplifying kindness, that is, benevolent goodwill towards those around you? You know, it's funny, those who we're closest to, we tend to be the harshest with. You know, you wouldn't speak to a stranger with the same harshness you do to your wife or your husband. Because if there's a familiarity there, we can oftentimes be very impatient and harsh with the pieces, the people we're closest to and that we love the most. And it ought not be so. And so let us be kind. Let us pour out good things and exemplify goodness to those who are nearest to us. That is our household. Parents, are you kind or are you good to your children? And children, are you kind or are you good to your parents? John or George Bethune, he writes this in his book. He says, kindness is opposed to irritability. And oftentimes we, 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 we are quick to be irritable with our spouse, with those we're very familiar with. Um, but he says, kindness is opposed to irritability. There are some professing Christians who seem willing to do everything for Christ and their fellow men except for curb their own temper. They are sound in their religious opinions, faithful in the use of privileges, industrious and liberal in every benevolent enterprise, but at the same time ready to fire at the slightest shadow of offense and sometimes at the imagination of a shadow. The Christian friends who know them most are never at ease in their presence. Lest some unguarded word or gesture or omission should excite their anger. Their homes are continually disturbed and unquiet. Their children watch their clouding brows with dread and fear rather than respect for them. For nothing so destroys respect for a superior as his want of self-command. The loveliness of Christian character is wanting in this individual. You can be blunt, you can be to the point, you can be rough, and you can be gruff, but that is the, not the nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus put together a whip of cords and, and he turned over the money changers and he, 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 he ran out those who were taking advantage of the temple and the people and he said, this, my house should not be a house of thieves, but a house of prayer. He had fire in his eyes. Yes, he did. But he was always kind. The loveliness of Christ never departed, and neither should it in our lives. Our, our um, gravitation toward bluntness, our gravita gravitation towards, well, I just tell it how it is, that is not the nature of Christ. That is not the nature of Christ. We should always be kind. We should always be full of goodness towards others. We speak the truth, but we do it in love.
and we can only do it in the power of the Spirit. You can't love your spouse who gets on your nerves. You can't love your children who may get on your nerves in your own power and your own strength. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural work. You cannot exemplify this kindness, this goodness towards your spouse, your children, and to the stranger on the street except by this work of the Spirit. We must be yielded to His influence in our lives. Now, lastly, doing good to all people. Doing good to all people. Allowing this, this, this kindness to lead us to the exemplif uh, the work of, of pouring out good works upon people, it should be manifested in doing good to all people. There are a plenteous amount of opportunities for doing good deeds for others, especially in this time of, of trial in so many people's lives with what we're facing on a local level, a national level, and a global level. There are many, many needs. There are temporal needs. There are needs of, of people uh, who need food, who need clothing, who need shelter. And we have resources and, and many of us have means and, and we have money and we have time where we can pour out and we can, we can pour out goodness towards people and we can meet their needs. If we will have the kindness to, to see it and remove ourselves from our selfishness, get our eyes off ourselves and look out for the interest of others. And while we should meet the physical and temporal needs of people, we should always be looking at how can I meet the spiritual and eternal needs of others as well. In such a, it's a, such a time as this where many people are more vulnerable and more receptive to spiritual help, what a wonderful opportunity. What a wonderful opportunity to do good for people in an eternal sense. <clears throat> it's as simple as this. Why don't you just call somebody? who may be lonely. Won't you call somebody and let us just let them know, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. That's doing good for somebody. That's being kind. Just just, just asking the person behind the checkout counter, even though you may have plexiglass between you so, so they don't get infected from people at the grocery store, you can still smile at them. You can show interest in their lives. You can talk to them. You can say thank you. You can look for every opportunity to minister to the needs of people, both temporal and eternal. It's looking for the, the way that you can walk in everyday circumstances, walk in good works to every person you come into contact with. George Bethune, he does say this. He says, one, of, one kind of behavior we must guard against is the impulsive and often superficial response to the needs of others. On this point, he says, true goodness is not merely impulsive but rational and considerate. It will therefore pause and be at some trouble to inquire what service and how best it may be rendered. Goodness should be willing to give time and thought and patience and even labor, not merely money and kind words and compassionate looks. True goodness is self-sacrificing, not of only money, but also of time. Sometimes we just want to throw money at, th at things. We don't even think about it. We see a need. You throw money at it, a kind word. But some it just takes time. We have to sacrifice time. It's not just money, but of our time. True goodness is not only self-sacrificing, but it's also untiring. As Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, become, let us not become weary in doing good. And it's only by the energy afforded to you 
by the Holy Spirit that refreshes and renews you, that you can be untiring in pouring out good works towards others. I conclude. I conclude by reminding you, kindness is a benevolent disposition towards others. Goodness, a kindly activity on their behalf. Looking out for a way by which we can increase their happiness for their benefit. And so I would just encourage you in closing that which you would look for every opportunity to be kind, to show the kindness of Jesus, that you would look for every opportunity to pour out goodness on somebody around you, that you, you would be so prayerful and so in step and, and, and walking in accord with the Spirit that you get your eyes off yourself and you look at others and you say, how can I meet that need? How can I show them kindness and the simplicity of everyday living? How can I show? How can I uh, express good works and pour good works out on individuals and meeting their needs? You know, consider your gifts, consider your talents, consider the resources that God has given you, your circumstances, and, and what everything that God has given you to you, He's given to you to be a good steward. He's prepared you as His workmanship for good works, and so every opportunity. Every person that crosses your path is not by accident. God has prepared you beforehand to walk in good works, to show them kindness, and to show them the goodness of our Lord. Remember also that most opportunities for doing good come across the ordinary path of our day. It may not look spectacular. It may not be a moment that anybody else notices. But it's in just what would appear to be the mundane activities of our life are the provide the continuous opportunity to show kindness, to show goodness to people we interact with. We must accept the cost of good deeds and time, thought, and effort. Remember that opportunities for doing good are not an interruption in God's plan for us, but they are part of that plan. No interruption that allows for you to show the kindness and goodness of God is an interruption in your day. It is God's plan for your life to exemplify the nature of Jesus to those people that ultimately they may be saved. You cannot do this in your own power. You cannot do this in your own might. This is a fruit of the Spirit. This is no small thing. This is not simplistic. This is very profound. It's for us. It's for us to walk in every single day. I want to exemplify the loveliness of Christ. I want to show the attractiveness of Christ in the way I speak, in the words I speak, in the things that I do, the way I interact with people. I don't want to be irritable. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be kind. I want to be thoughtful. I want to show, I want to give good works, walk in good works and do good things for people in the name of of Jesus Christ. There's a woman spoken of in Acts chapter 9. Her name was Dorcas or Tabitha. And she died in Acts chapter 9. And there was a lot of people there lamenting and mourning her death. And my prayer is that I would have the same testimony as this woman. And you can see why there were so many people who lamented her death. And thankfully, Peter came and prayed over her and she was raised back from the dead. But many people were lamenting her death. And it made this very, very profound statement concerning her testimony, her character. It said, she was one who was always doing good and helping the poor. Always doing good 
and helping the poor. Don't you know those people took notice and God takes notice. May we, by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, allow this fruit to be cultivated in our lives. May the loveliness of Christ be seen through our kindness, through our goodness. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. Help us, O oh God, by your power, by your supernatural ability in our lives, God, to be kind, to walk in good works that you prepared for us to walk beforehand. We are your workmanship, created for good works. And you, Jesus, everywhere you went, you did good. You looked out and you poured benefits on people. Help us to be kind. Help us to be lovely towards those. Help us to show the loveliness of your nature, that people would see the attractiveness of you, Jesus. Help us in your power and your strength. And we pray these with we pray this with faith, knowing that you will cultivate this fruit of the Spirit if we will be surrendered and yielded to your work in our lives. God, it is convicting the things we look at here today because we may see what is lacking in our own lives. But you are always willing to increase what is lacking in our lives if we will admit that lack, if we will admit our shortcomings, if we will admit our pride and our sin. You will cover that with your love and your mercy, and you empower us by your Spirit to walk in those things all the more. I pray that you would bless your people. Bless Grace River Chapel. Bless the people of God throughout this entire world that they would see the kindness and goodness of our Savior, and that people would be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.